Thank you for listening to the Calvary Chapel Lubbock podcast. Our mission of teaching people to love God by showing them how much He loves us starts right now. Guys, as we come to chapter 21 in the book of Genesis, we discover that Abraham has the task or had the task, if you will, to navigate the high highs in life and the low lows, okay? He's not any different than you and I. He's a man that God called. He's to walk by faith. He's to trust the Lord. Sometimes he walked by sight, and the things he saw he didn't like. So he said, oh my, there's a famine in the land, and he books it over to Egypt. And you and I get to admonish him. We get to go, why did you do that, you silly goose? What is wrong with you? And yet, we do the same things. You see, the Word of God is so amazing that as He puts it in there, you and I get to go, oh, yeah, yeah, oh, that's me. There are times in my life that I don't trust Jesus. There are times in my life that I don't trust God. There are times in my life where I don't hear God. God, are you even there? There are times in our life when there are famines in our life and we're going through a spiritual famine. We're going, man, I just need, a, I just need, a, I need, just need some food. The problem is, is that we're not willing to stop and listen and take a moment to hear God's voice. You see, God has been trying to get our attention. God has been speaking to us, and yet, what? What's that? And we're distracted so much. We're distracted. And I, myself included, there are things in my life we're so distracted, and, and, and I think we need to stop at times, and, and I really want to hear the voice of the Lord, but I'm not willing to go through the spiritual disciplines to hear God's voice. That's going to hurt. And yet he wants to speak to us. Well, Abraham is that, and, and I appreciate that, right? So he's going to navigate the high highs and the low lows. And here's what we learned last week in the first 14 verses. They were divided up between a super happy time, man, a, a joyous time, and a very low low in, the, in, the, in Abraham's life. And if you recall, chapter 1 started off with a great joyous time in Abraham's life. You go, what happened, Ben? Well, Sarah, who was very old, and when the Bible calls you old and does not give you an age, you're almost dead. That's what it means. You're almost dead. And so and she's old. She's just, she's just old, right? And um, she finds out that she's pregnant. And God's amazing promise. God promised her and she's pregnant. And you can imagine. She's pregnant with a little boy named Isaac. And what we can pull from that is God's promises are true. They're so true. And if you remember, Sarah as well as Abraham, well, although the promises are true, and that's what we looked last week, if we go back just a little bit in our lives, they didn't trust God, did they? They didn't really trust God. You go, what do you mean? Well, they, they had the promises, and they were not fully trusting in the promise of God, and that's how Ishmael comes into the story. Wait, 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 Ben, I thought you said she's pregnant with Isaac. Well, last week we see she is, and Abraham's like, yay, team, way to go, right? I'm excited. A little, I've got a little boy coming, and you can imagine. I don't know. I've, I, I see Tiffany, sister. She's, she's, how far along are you? Five months, can you imagine? That's how she was so excited. You remember when you found out, oh my goodness, this is amazing. This is amazing when when they told you you were going to have a little one and Sarah's probably excited and Isaac's probably excited. Why? Understand, guys, they're not in their 20s. They're not in their 30s. They're not even in their 60s. They're well into their 90s and this is a promise from God. 
this is an incredible miracle that God's going to do. Well, he's super hot. He's super stoked, man. He's super stoked. He's just, man, he's, I don't know if he was doing a dance. I don't know what dance he'd be doing, but he'd be, he'd, he'd probably be doing the floss or just doing, I don't know. He's just excited. You guys with me? He's just excited. And that's where Ishmael comes to butt. But the problem was, is that, well, Abraham and Sarah, they didn't fully trust the promises of God. Now, let's go back in time for just a bit. Let's go back. See, let's go back to the beginning of Abraham's story, where we would discover that God promised Abram that he would be the father of many nations. But Abram and Sarah had no children. She was barren. According to Genesis 15, listen to this. Sometimes later, the Lord spoke to Abram in a vision and said to her, Do not be afraid, Abram, for I will protect you, and your reward will be great. But Abram replied, O sovereign Lord, what good are all your blessings when I don't have a son? Since you've given me no children, Eliezer of Damascus, the servant of my household, will inherit all my wealth. Am I going to die, Lord? I don't have anybody. So why, why would you bless me? You've given me no descendants of my own, and so one of my servants will be my heir. Then the Lord said to him, listen to me, sir. No, your servant will not be your heir, for you will have a son of your own who will be your heir. That's God promising right there. That's God saying, listen, Abraham, calm down, brother. Calm down. You're going to have a son out of your own body. This is what's going to happen. Okay? So who's God talking about right here? He's talking about Isaac. Okay, he's talking about the promise of Isaac. He's talking about the promised son. But when, listen to this, but when our faith and trust waver, can I get a witness? What do we do? We find ourselves taking matters into our own hands. Am I talking to anybody tonight? You know exactly what I'm talking about when, man, man, we trust God. We're following God. We're servants of Jesus. We're saved. Amen. Hallelujah. And then we have a situation that we need to, we need to really trust God in. And when it wavers, we find ourselves taking matters into our own hands. And when I've done that, oh, what a mess it's been. What a mess I can make. Well, God, listen, I don't know if, I mean, you, listen, you might be really busy up in heaven, you know, taking care of everything, Middle East going crazy, I get that. So I'm just going to go, I'm just going to, I'm going to call in a few markers here, I'm going to call in a few friends, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that, I'm going to, I'm going to finagle my way, I'm going to do this, I'm going to, and, and then God's like, well, that's not what I had for you. And then I have an Ishmael. Whatever problem it is, it's an Ishmael. Right? And so that's what happens. That's what happens. And in chapter 16, verse 1, it says, Now Sarah, Abraham's wife, had borne him no children, but she had an Egyptian maidservant whose name was Hagar. Hagar, for those of us here in the West, Texas. But if you go to Israel, it's Hagar. So there she is. Okay. Now, here lies the problem. God promised Abram that he would be the father of many nations and many people. But he looks at his wife and she says, What's up, girl? We don't have any kids. What? <laughs> right? What does God ask us to do? God says that you and I as believers, we need to walk by faith, not by sight. And we all go, amen, pastor. But it's the hardest thing to do, is it not? It's the hardest thing to do. I want to walk by faith. I want to trust God. I want to, Lord, these are your promises. And then what my eyes see is none of what, what God is promising me 
And so I start to wear. I say, oh, Lord, I don't see this. But he says, don't walk by. Don't walk by sight. Walk by faith. Trust me. When it comes to our lives, when it comes to our lives, individual lives, listen to me. He has got a plan for our lives that are so amazing, but we ought to walk by faith. We got to trust the Lord. Pastor, but I do. I try, but I end up, oh, I know. I know. You have this inner civil war going on inside you. The flesh and the spirit, they're fighting each other. Boom, 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 boom. Back and forth, the flesh and the spirit, the flesh and the spirit. And you're just going, man, I just, I just want to walk by faith. Well, the Bible tells us how to do that, right? It says, how do we walk by faith? Faith cometh by hearing and hearing the nightly news. That's how we get faith. You go, Pastor, you're silly. Faith cometh by hearing and and hearing what's on Facebook. That's how I get faith. Pastor, Facebook's like for the old generation. I know, let's get it. But he says, faith cometh by hearing and hearing the word of God. Church, when are we going to really get in the word of God as our foundation? When are we really going to read the Bible because we love the God of the Bible? Pastor, I have to have my quiet time. I have to have my quiet time. Why do you have to have quiet time? That's what they tell you, to have quiet time. Okay, Lord, speak to me. Do you, you really want to do that? I mean, God's like, really? That's your attitude toward me? Can you imagine? Can you imagine going home and going home? All right, honey. Let's go on a date. Where do you want to eat now? Okay. Your wife will be like, you can go by yourself. Peace out, homie. That's what she tell you. Huh? Why do we approach God that way? But when we come with an anticipation, guys, where we're going, listen, I'm going to get in his word. I'm going to see what he has for me. I'm going to allow it to clean and cleanse me each and every day. Each and every day. Each and every day. Each and every day. Why do I say that? It's the same thing like I told you, right? Right? Let's go to the gym. Are you guys ready to go to the gym? We're going to have, we're going to just, we're going we're gonna to go to the gym. We're gonna, we've gone to the gym yet? We haven't gone to the gym yet. But we're going to go to the gym. So we go to the gym. We're going to spend 20 minutes at the gym. Here we go. We're going to work out 20 minutes at the gym. We're going we're gonna to just pump some iron. We're going to look at somebody else saying, I can lift that. Then we're going to hurt ourselves. But nonetheless, we're going to go to the gym for 20 minutes. We're going to go home. We're going to take off our shirt. We're going to go, nothing's changed. We can do that for a week. 20 minutes at the gym, nothing's going to change. But eventually, if you do it, in two weeks, in three weeks, in four weeks, in five weeks, you know, man, wow, I, I, I see some change. And people are going to come at you, what are you doing? I'm just going to the gym 20 minutes a day. I just do my exercise. Same thing with the Word of God, guys. You, you want to get in the Word of God, and you want to go, hey, here's the Word of God. And you do it one time, and you go, man, he didn't speak to me at all. Well, how many times have you read it? Well, just 10 minutes today. But see, we come with a heart that's ready to see God next week. And I want to see, and what, what am I going to be like? I'm going to be like... God promised, guys, Abram, that he would be the father of many nations and many people, but Sarah doesn't have any children. Now, there are two possible scenarios that could happen as the story unfolds. You go, what's that? Sarah could trust God and say, amen, and wait patiently for God's word. Did you hear what I said, patiently? How many of you have patience? I don't have any patience. Man, isn't, isn't patience the hardest thing, right? Let's just hurry up and wait. 
Let's just hurry up. Wait, let's go. No, and you're like, come on, God, come on, listen, listen. God, hey, where is he? Where's my, where's my knight in shining armor? Where is he? Where's my princess you promised me? Where's? Wait. Sarah could have done that. The promise was true. God didn't lie. As a matter of fact, the Bible says that God cannot lie. So when he promises us things, guess what? We can take that to the bank. You can take that to the bank. When, when you gave your life to Jesus Christ, he comes and lives in your heart, you are saved. You can take it to the bank. You can take his word to the bank. Well, or, or, or another scenario could happen, guys. She could take matter into her own hands and help God out. Uh-oh. What did you say? She could take matters into her own hands and try to help God out. What does she do? Look at verse 2 in chapter 16. So Sarah said to Abram, See now, the Lord has restrained me from, have, from bearing children. Please go into my maid, perhaps... I shall obtain children by her. And Abraham heeded the voice of Sarai. Think in it. Think about this, right? Think about this. Listen, here's what I want to point out real quick, guys. Sarai, Sarah, blames God for her condition. It's almost like she believes that God is holding out on her. It goes all the way back to the garden. Hey, did God really say? Did God really, no, did he really promise, did he really promise you that? Now, I know he's got a promise, but I know you, and I know your past. Did he really promise you that? Well, God's promises aren't based on what we do and we don't do. God's promises are based on who he is. Now, I know there are unconditional promises, and I know there's some conditional promises. I get that, okay? So I'm not going to just say, oh, yeah, all his promises, no matter what you do. But there are those unconditional promises where he says it's because of me. I want to promise to you. Well, Sarah's like, hey, there you go. I don't, I don't know, God. Here we go. Then Sarah, right? Sarai, Abraham's wife, took Hagar, her maidservant, the Egyptian, gave her to her husband. Not going to fly in my house. Just going to tell you that right now. Abraham to be his wife after Abraham had dwelt 10 years in the land of Canaan. So he went into Hagar and she conceived. And when she saw she had conceived, her mistress became, came despised in her eyes. So Abraham listens to her, right? Now, I picture Abraham, a righteous man, but sometimes didn't listen to, to Sarah. Oh, woman, you just hush now. I know what we're doing. Well, don't you think we should sell some of the cattle? Oh, Sarah, Sarah, just worry about the tent God's given you. And then now it's like, hey, you want to you wanna have my, my Egyptian handmaid and have a baby with her? Okay. <laughs> Really, Abraham? Really? Well, you know, my wife is wise. She's wise beyond her years. Abraham, did God say, did God say that you were going to have this with another woman? Well, you know, let's just talk about interpretation of Scripture. Maybe, maybe I interpreted it wrong. Next thing you know, we have Ishmael. Things go downhill from here. Things go down here. But here's what I want us to learn tonight, okay? I would like us to learn the lesson here. And our Sunday morning study also reiterates the lesson. You go, what's that? Ishmael, first and all, you can jot this down. Okay, these are your notes. Ishmael is a type of God's permissive will. Permissive will. Okay? God has a permissive will and God has a perfect will. 
And sometimes his perfect will looks a lot like permissive will, and sometimes permissive will is just different. You go, Pastor, what do you mean? Okay. According to God, he said, Isaac is the promised child. This is what we're going to do. But Abraham takes matters in his own hands, and now it becomes God's permissive will. Okay, there's Ishmael. Ishmael. You go, well, I'd rather be in God's perfect will. Okay, wonderful. I would too. Can I get an amen? But you gotta, now you've got to look at what that means because John the Baptist was in God's perfect, perfect will, and he ended up beheaded. So being in God's perfect will doesn't mean an easy life. Can I, get, can I get a witness? You know what I'm talking about? Being in God, I mean, you're like, I want God's perfect will because that means it's cruise control and, yeah, chips on the side. Right there, listen, chips, cruise control. I'm heading down the highway. I got four lanes. I'm just having to, that's not what God, that's what life is all about. It's, hey, his perfect will for your life could be a little bit of suffering, a little bit of hurt, a little bit of growth. Looking a lot like Jesus. Number two, lesson we can learn, man. Listen, Sarah is not trusting fully in God's promise. Right? Feels like she needs, or feels like God needs some help. Have we ever done that in our lives? Come on, let's be honest. Have we ever thought God needs some help? I can help God out on this. I know the situation. I got got this. (laughs) Right? Let's put ourselves in Sarah's sandals for just a moment, right? In the, in the life, because in life we seem to do the same thing. We often try to help God out with what we think or what he should be doing. It sounds funny that anyone would think that God would need their help. Yet, we think that all the time. Why? Because any time, listen to this, any time we meet a delay... Anytime it seems that God's methods are not working, we're quick to pitch in and give God a hand. Let me give you some things that we try to do to help God out. You guys with me? Okay, these are some things. God's delayed. God's God's not hearing me. I don't know what's going on. This is what we try to do. You ready? Number one, when we're trying to find a husband or a wife... Now, I know we have some single folks here, okay? Here's how we try to help God out. We try and help God out when we get anxious and we compromise his standard in order to fit in in our culture. We compromise our integrity, listen to this, simply to have someone to be with. That's how we try to help God out. And listen, I'm not, I'm not insensitive to the single folks here going, where is my husband? Where is my wife? I, I get it. But when, when we try to help God out and, and, and we compromise the integrity of the scriptures and who we are, that's how we try to well, what do you think? Is 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 he your prince? Oh, yeah. You know, when your voice goes up a couple octaves, is, is he the one for you? Yeah, I think, yeah. 
hey, man, are there any red flags in your relationship? Uh, a couple, but they're not that. Uh, uh, let's talk about something else. We do that, guys, both men and women looking for that. Man, where's the one? Listen, listen, I'm 18 years old. Where is she? Where is she? Because the world tells you you have to get married by a certain age. Or I say, hey, you're almost 18 and a half. What are you doing? I know. And it's like silly. And then, and then with, with women, listen, you're 21. You're, listen, 21, 20, 21, you better. And, and that's not God's economy. God says, no, 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 I have so much for you. I have so much for you, and I'm going to bring you the right guy, and I'm going to bring you the one that mets, that just fits you like a glove. I'm just going to fit you, you young kids over here to my left. I'm telling you right now, listen, just wait. Just be patient. Because God has the very best for you. He has the very best for you. And you don't need to help him out. And he'll be looking, hey, maybe I should have a girlfriend. Maybe I should. Yeah, put his head down. He's like, oh, I know. I know. Just wait. Just wait. You go, what else, Ben? Oh, let me see this. Let's say goodbye to the husband and wife thing. I've embarrassed you enough. But let's, let's say this. When we're trying to reach people for God, when we're trying, that's a good thing. That's a good, when we're trying to reach people for God. But here's how we help God out. You ready? We try and help God out when we water down the message in order to make it more palatable. And we start saying things on the, behind the pulpit like, let's not offend anyone with God's word. We try to help God out. Listen, I'm trying to reach people for Jesus, and I'm just going I'm, I'm, I'm to talk about, I'm just talk about fun stuff. I'm going to talk about good stuff. Uh, uh, the Bible talks about repentance. The Bible talks about repentance. That should be coming from the pulpit. We need to repent. The Bible talks about fasting. We need to fast. The Bible talks about loving each other. We need to love each other. The Bible talks about encouragement. We should be encouraging each other. But we can't water down the message to get more folks in the church. It works. It works. I got to be honest with you guys. I can't stand before a holy God and go, man, I, you know, I had a huge church because I, I just, I can't. I don't remember who I was talking to Sunday. We were talking about just, just you know, just the messages and the different churches, mega churches, and the, and the positive message. And I was like, man, I don't even know how to do that. I don't even know how to come up here and just be like, I said, all I know is how to teach the Bible. Here's what it says, and I got to tell you what it says. And, and, and that's how we help God. Let's just, hey, let's not talk about sin. Let's not talk about sin. How about this? We, we try to help God out when it comes to heaven. You go, like what? We try and help God out when we give people a bunch of rules to follow so that they can make it to heaven. Listen, you want to go to heaven, you need to do this. You want to go to heaven, you need to do this. Man, I'll tell you what, man, I had a lady. Her name was Grace. She had no grace at all. And she told me, man, I needed to cut my hair. I'm like... I'm like 18 years old, man, and I've got hair, and I'm just like living in, you know, and it's like, well, if you're going to go to heaven, you really need to cut your hair. Well, I was thinking about getting an earring. Oh, don't you even get an earring, huh? Man. But we try to help God out when we give him a bunch of rules, and you know what the, you know what the only rule we need to follow on? 
is to love Jesus. Give your heart and love Jesus with everything. Now, here's the problem, okay? Let me, let me, give, let me throw in a little wrench on that. Someone comes to you and says, hey, you know what? All you got to do is love Jesus. And you go, amen. The problem is, is that love has been distorted since the beginning of time. And by the time we get it, we don't know what love is. And that's why foreigners sang that song, I want to know what love is. Because we don't know. For you, it's different. For, I mean, it's, it's just different. We, we called love and we saw, we, we saw stuff growing up. In the name of love, and we're, we're distorted. So you go, okay, so you're asking me this. Well, Ben, what is love? Well, I mean, I want to know what love is. If I'm supposed to love Jesus, what is love? It's the word of God, guys. It's going and seeing who Jesus is. He's the ultimate definition of love. He's the ultimate definition of perfect love. If you want to love like, if you want to know what love is, look at Jesus. Look at Jesus. So it's not what Hollywood has told you. It's not all those romanticized movies. It's not all the Netflix. It's not all of that. It's Jesus, guys. It's Jesus. It's Jesus. Get in his word. See what he's like. Get the same heart that he has. He has a heart for people. He has a heart to see people. He has a heart to see people saved and healed. Guys, it's so amazing. And we as humans, we want to fight that all the time. No! I'm happy in my misery. Do you want to be made well? No. I like it when people feel sorry for me. I love drama. I don't know who loves drama, but if you're in here and love drama, we need to pray for you. I don't like drama. So what do we do? Jot this down. Trust God's timing. Trust God's timing. Trust God's timing. He has a purpose for every delay. Sarah and Abraham interpreted God's delay, listen to me, as inability. But God's delays for many, he delays for many different reasons. Solomon wrote in Ecclesiastes, but there is a time for everything and he makes everything beautiful in his time. There's a time. You're praying about something. You're seeking something. And God's going, no, no, no. Listen, jot this down. Sometimes God's delays are to make us holy. Well, I thought God wanted me happy. No, God wants you holy. And sometimes the delays in your life is to make you holy. What else, Ben? Guys, sometimes he delays to prepare us for a task. He's preparing us for what he has for us. God, why won't you answer me? Sometimes he delays to deal with some weakness. Right? Some weakness in our lives. His delays, guys, his delays are not inability. Sometimes he delays, guys, listen, to strengthen our faith. To strengthen our faith. Pastor, I've been praying about this for, I've just been praying for a long time. Well, how is that? Well, it's strengthening my faith, but I've been praying. Just keep praying. Sometimes he delays for the benefit of those who are watching. Say, what? You guys know this. I'm preaching to the choir. 
but everybody is watching your life. Because you call yourself a Christian, they want to see what's different about you. They want to see. They're watching. Now, they're not going to come up and be like, all right, you reading your Bible? They're just watching. They're watching you. They're watching how you interact with people. They're watching how you handle problems. They're watching to see if you really believe what you say. How, are you really smoking what you're selling? If you love Jesus, are you really... Do, I mean, right? That's what they're doing. They're looking and they're going, okay, okay. And so, and so again, what, what's he doing? It's just like, it's the benefit of those watching. And sometimes he delays and he's like, ah. Oh. Sometimes he delays so that he might give us the best and not something just adequate. I told a story last night that I probably won't repeat because, yeah, I, oh, Haas is laughing yesterday about my, but, but I was in a hurry to do something and God's like, no, that's not the best for you. And I said, but it's okay. And it was adequate and. And now my car friends laugh at me. Tell us the story. I won't. I'll tell you later. <laughs> and then you wonder why I use you in the sermons. We're, we're dialoguing here, right? We're okay. All right. Okay. Sometimes he delays. Listen to this. This is profound. This is going to blow your mind. This is wisdom for reason only he knows. Well, I don't know exactly. I don't either. You guys come to me. Why is Pastor? Why? Why is God delay? I don't know. I don't know. Trust Him. I have been trusting Him. Okay, calm down. Calm down. I get it. It's good application for us to consider, guys. Because as a result, now we have a situation brewing. Ishmael is born. Well, last week. Abraham is super stoked, and now he's going to go to a super low. Why? Look at verse 9 of chapter 21, guys. And Sarah saw that the son of Hagar, the Egyptian, who had been born to Abraham, he saw him scoffing. And therefore, he said, therefore she said to Abraham, cast out this bondwoman and her son, for the son of this bondwoman shall not be heir with my son, namely with Isaac. And the matter was very displeasing to Abraham because... Or Abraham sight because of his son. Remember, Abraham still had a son. Now let's let's talk about Sarah for just a moment. Sarah's just a little. She's just a little upset. She's just, she's just she's a tiny bit upset. Why? Because guys, for the length of their marriage, we didn't know who the problem was. Was was Abraham infertile? Or was Sarah? I mean, whatever. We didn't know. And now she, he, he goes and he marries Hagar, Hagar, and she gets pregnant. So what does Sarah do? It's me. God, why did, what did I do? Why are you tripping? I mean, I... and so now she's upset. And so she says, and so Ishmael is about 15 years old, 16 years old, and he begins scoffing. He begins to mock little Isaac. And Sarah steps in and she says, the dude's got to go. And the mama too. Sarah, Abraham, gets really down. So he goes from a super high, weans the child, now he's really low. 
But God speaks. But God said to Abram, do not let it be displeasing in your sight because of the lad, because of your bondwoman. Whatever Sarah has said, listen to her voice. For Isaac, your seed shall be be called. Yet I will also make a nation, listen to this, of the son of the bondwoman because he is your seed. What is God saying? God's saying, don't worry about it. He's going to be taken care of. Do you guys see that? Ishmael's going to be taken care of. Now, if you're taking note, I want you to jot this down and then listen up. Jot this down. Genesis 25, 12 through 16. God made a promise. Now, now listen to this. Now, I'm going to really butcher these names, but I'm going to try my best. It says, now, this is the genealogy of Ishmael. Okay? God just said, listen, I'm going to make him a great nation too. I'm going to make him a great nation. He says, here's the genealogy. Abraham's son, whom Hagar, the Egyptian, Sarah's maidservant, born to him. And these are the names of the sons of Ishmael by their names according to their generation. The firstborn of Ishmael was Nebajash. Nebajash. Okay, that's the first one. Then you had Kadar. Kadar. And then you had Abbeel. That's a cool name. Hey, you're looking for names. We hear some right here. Abdeel. That's a good one. Ad Beal. Okay, or how about this one? Mid Mibsam. You want that one? Mibsam? Mishma. Mishma Wilkins. That's a good name right there. Duma. Massa. Hadad. Tima. Jitur. Napshish. And Kedema. I like that one. Kedemah. These are the sons of Ishmael. These are just some interesting names, aren't they? Uh, here's what you come up with. Like, check this out. We have the 12 tribes of Israel, right? Now we have the 12 tribes, 12 sons of, of Ishmael. 12 nations came from Ishmael. So God still blessed them, okay? That's where we are. So God's promises, Abraham, no problem. So that's where we pick up tonight's study. It's already 801. We haven't even jumped into our text, but we'll move pretty quick on it, okay? So this is a day in the life of Ishmael, okay? Now, remember, Ishmael's anywhere between 15 and 17 years old. Any of you guys 15? You're 15. Well, the guys. How old are you? 14. So imagine, could you imagine having a three-year-old brother, just a little one, man, two-year-old? Verse 14, so Abraham rose early in the morning, took bread and a skin of water, putting it on the shoulder, gave it and the boy to Hagar and sent her away. And she departed and wandered the wilderness of Beersheba. And the water in the skin was used up. She placed the boy under one of the shrubs. Now, this is just sad. Why? Well, first thing I popped out at me is like, Abraham, did you not like give him enough food? He's like, here's a loaf of bread and, <laughs> and a gallon of water. Good luck. I don't know how much it was, but it's not very much because it says, it says, man, they ate it pretty quick. And I'm just like, Wow. And, and, and again, for the sake of the study, I'm sure it was a little bit longer. But think about this, guys. See, he, they departed. He said, okay, you guys got to go. And here's some water and here's some bread. And they, part, and they started wandering the wilderness of Bathsheba. And then, and then the skin of the water, the water was all used up. And so was the food. 
And so she placed the boy under one of the shrubs. Now, the very first thing we must recognize right here, guys, is that Hagar finds herself in a very difficult situation. She only has water and some bread. This is not good. This is not good. Guys, she didn't have relatives that she could have run to right away. She's like, guy, this, this is like a day's worth of food. Listen, let's just talk about teenagers for a second. He, he probably ate that loaf of bread the first day. <laughs> right? Because teenagers eat us out of house and home. I was like, okay. We have to buy four gallons of milk instead of just one. I mean, it just they just, right? So teenagers, yeah. I was like, where do you put it? I don't know. I don't know. I remember when I was a teenager, you can't tell now, but that was a long time ago. Man, we'd go out to eat. We'd go out to eat as a whole family, and I'd sit there, and I'd eat as much as I could. And I remember sitting there, and people would be visiting. And by the time we were done and the check came, I was hungry again. Yeah, he knows. Now, I wish I had the metabolism like Josh, because he can eat and still eat again. I mean, I've heard some of those stories, but... Anyway, it's a very difficult situation. So like, the question I've got to ask is, how is Hagar going to respond? How is, how is she going to respond? Now, but even a more important question, listen, a difficult situation in your life, how are you going to respond? How are you going to respond? John Maxwell, he tells a story that illustrates the importance of really having a positive attitude when we're, when we're really facing difficult times. Here's what he writes. Listen to this. A newly married woman insisted on going to California desert so she could be near her military husband. The only place the couple could find to live was a run-down shack near an Indian village. The daytime heat was unbearable, 105 degrees in the shade. The dry wind blew, constantly covering everything with dust. None of the Indians spoke English. The young wife was miserable. Then she learned that her husband was going to go deeper into the desert for two weeks. So she wrote her mother and asked if she could come home. Her mother's reply, these words to her. Two men looked through prison bars. One saw mud. The other saw stars. As the woman read those lines over and over, she decided to change. She would look for the stars. She set out to make friends with the Indians when they saw her genuine interest. They taught her weaving and pottery. She learned their culture. She began to study the desert itself, its cacti, the Joshua trees, the seashells left behind by the sands of the ocean floor. Not only did she survive, but she became known as an expert on the area and later published a book about it. John Maxwell ends with this. Listen, the desert is a picture of difficulty and opportunity. Depending how we look at it. But in Abraham's case, it goes from bad to worse. Why? Because we find Ishmael under a shrub. Some of your translations will say a bush. The bread is out. The water's gone. You know, Ben, how, could, how, how would I apply this? You wake up tomorrow morning and everything's gone. Your bank account, 
your cars have been repossessed, there's a glitch, everything's gone, you have no money, you have no job, it's all gone. Wow, that's a tough pill to swallow, Pastor. That's a tough pill to swallow. Hagar does something. She puts her son under the bush, and of course the bush is described by some scholars to be kind of the desert broom tree, which provides spotted shave and a break from the sun. We kind of get the idea. She's like, okay, I'm going to keep you that. But notice what is, what's about to happen in verse 16. And she went down and she sat across from a distance, about a bow shot, for she said to herself, let me not see the death of the boy. So she sat opposite and she lifted her voice and wept. Things are really, really bleak right here. You see, it's one thing to walk in a desert. It's one thing to be out of food. It's one thing to be out of water, but it's a whole nother ball game to watch your son, your child die. And you cannot do nothing about it. I don't have time to get into the study. I don't have time to get into that for for another study, but if you're interested Think about what's going to happen during the tribulation. Think about those that are left behind. They think, hey, no problem, man. I'll just think about what's going to happen because because it's going to be so much worse. But I started to think about the desert. I think about the hot. I started to think about the whole situation. And I thought this, this is the reality of life for some people. You go, like what, Ben? Well, life difficulties can be like the heat of summer, life difficulties. You go, well, give me an example. Well, like disease. You know, there isn't a day that goes by that I don't hear that somebody has cancer. I mean, that's, that's, that's just difficult, right? It's like, oh, my goodness. Or you go, well, like what? Well, what about the death of a loved one? You know, or... You know, the dreaded, I lost my job, or divorce, or even in some cases, a rebellious child. Those are difficult, difficult, difficult times. And, and some of these difficulties, guys, they can be our own doing, right? Like Adam, like Adam and Eve, they just, they, they went, and you guys know the whole story, I don't have time for that. Some of it can be, but some of it can be difficulties at the hands of others, like Sarah and Abraham with Hagar, they did that. They forced that hand. They got into trouble. They tried to help God out. Or think about this, the 10 spies in Exodus, right? When they were, went out and said, oh, you know, we can't take it. We're all going to die. Here's grapes the size of my head. I mean, but here's what I want you to see. The promise is for us that even in difficult times, that God will never leave us alone in the difficulties of life. And here's what I love. Listen to me. Listen to me clearly. Here's what I love. If you call yourself a believer, if you call yourself a Christian, and you decide to walk outside the boundaries of who God is, he chases you down. He makes life miserable. You're like, man, I used to have fun partying. Now I I can't party anymore because God's always, he's like, oh, I used to have fun doing this, and now I'm saved, and I, oh, and he's just sitting there going, hey, how you doing? You doing? You, You doing all right? And he chases us down, man. He chases us down. Man, I used to love to go home on Friday night and kick open a 
yeah, you know, and now I'm like, God's not even letting me enjoy this, you know. He's... Because God, listen, God is shade for the journey we call life. He's there for us, guys. And sometimes difficulties are, are really opportunities. Notice with me, verse 17. And God heard the voice of the lad. And you know what I wrote down? Aren't you glad that God hears us when we pray? We talked about this yesterday in our discipleship. And, and we said, you know, God hears. I mean, think about this. He hears God, people. Millions of people are praying at one time. And, and I don't picture God going, wait, what, 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 what? You know, wait, slow down. Wait, oh. He's like, no, I hear your prayer. And I hear your prayer. And I'm answering your prayer. And I hear it because God is so much, so much bigger than this little brain can think. So much greater. And, and, and here's what I love. I love that he hears the prayer when we're just praying, and I love that he hears us when we're crying out. And it's not a matter of importance to God. He's like, oh, well, see, Amanda's crying because she's really hurt, and you're just praying for, you know, whatever it might be. He says, man, I love you guys the same, and your prayers I can hear, and I want to answer you, and I'm going to give you all special attentions. And I love that. Why? Because not only was Hagar crying out, the lad was too. God, what are we going to do? And it says here, it says that God heard the voice of the lad. And I love this. So let's talk about prayer for just a moment, okay? Let's talk about prayer really quick. According to 1 John 5.14, it says this. Now, this is the confidence that we have in him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. So I know God hears us. Psalm 66.19 says, but the certainty of God, but, but certainly God has heard me. He has attended to the voice of my prayer. 1 Peter 3.12 says, For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous. His ears are open to their prayer. Yes! But the face of the Lord is against all those who do evil. So God hears our prayer. Now, just for the sake of our study, guys, just for the sake of our study, let me give you a couple of verses that hinders your prayer. Okay? So you know. We talked about this last night. Isaiah 59.1 and 2 says, Behold, the, Lord is, the Lord's hand is not shortened that he cannot save, nor his ear heavy that he cannot hear. Verse 2, but your iniquities have separated you from your God, and your sins has hidden his face from you so that he will not hear. He says, guys, we, we come with dirty hearts, we come with iniquities, we come with sin, and we go, why doesn't God hear our voice? Because we have to confess those first. We have to get clean, Lord, I'm sorry. Check this out. According to Peter, okay, 1 Peter 3, 7, it says, Husbands, likewise, dwell with your wives with understanding, giving honor to the wife. Okay, husbands in here, dwell with them with understanding. Now, you're rubbing your head going, Pastor, I don't understand my wife. Well, you're not supposed to, but you need to dwell with them with understanding, okay? It's like, you know what you understand? Well, I don't understand them, okay? But you've got to make efforts to understand them. Why? Because it says also give honor to the wife. You need to give honor. You need to hold her in high esteem. You need to, you, that's, that's your wife. That's your wife. As to the weaker vessel. Now the women here are going, I ain't any weaker vessel. That's what God says, okay? So they're being heirs to the grace of life. Why? 
that your prayers may not be hindered. Here, here's the bottom line. Listen, men, when you're not honoring your wife and you're not living her with all understanding and you're fighting with her and you're calling her names in your head, God's not going to hear your prayers. He's not going to hear our prayers. Get it right with your wife first. No wonder God, no, I'm always fighting with my wife. No wonder God doesn't hear me. Well, there you go. First Peter says that. Dwell with them. But does God does hear. He does hear. Notice he says in verse 17b, Then the angel called to Hagar out of heaven and said to her, What ails you, Hagar? Fear not, for God has heard the voice of the voice of the lad where he is, right? What ails you? This is the question maybe kind of a bit of a rebuke. You go, why is that? Well, God had already told Hagar that he would, he's going to be a great nation. He already said that in chapter 16. But he's like, so, right? Here's more modern. So what's going on? What, what, what's all this about? We gotta, we're just going to die. We're all going to die. Really? I promised he's going to be a great nation. Do you trust me? Do you trust me? Verse 18 says, Arise, lift up the lad and hold him with your right, hold him with your hand, for I will make him a great nation. Now, check this out. In chapter 16, God promised that Ishmael would be a great nation. Can I get an amen? But now he's going to repeat it. He repeated it in verse 18. And here's what I found according to the internet, okay? Check this out. There are 750 New Testament promises. 750. That's what Joe would do. The New Testament has 750 promises, but due to the fact that many of the promises are repeated in different books, there are only 250 separate promises. What does that mean? Guys, the thing about it is that God knows we don't listen. What? God knows we don't get it the first time. He's like, listen, I'm going to take care of you. I'm never going to be, you're never going to be alone. And we're like, God, why am I alone? Okay, let me, let me, let's read the next book, right? <laughs> 750 and only 250 are separate ones. He's like, I've got to tell you again. Can I get an amen? Aren't we like that? Right? Aren't we like that? I'm like that with my wife. My wife tells me something. I'm like, uh-huh. What did I just say? Man, I'm busted. Can't be trusted. So when she talks to me, I have to put the TV on mute, and I have to listen. Okay, what? Tell me. Because I can't fake it anymore. I'll be like, yeah. What did you say? Jesus. <laughs> She's like, no. <laughs> Hit me on the head. But that's what God does. God says, listen, you guys don't get it. You guys don't get it. I'm going to repeat it. And that's what he's doing. He's repeating it and repeating it. Verse 19. Then God opened the eyes, and she saw a well of water. And she went and she filled the skin with water and he gave the lad a drink. God is not only shade in our journey, but he's also living water as well. Oh, we must pray, we must pray, church, that God would open our eyes to the living water of his word and his salvation. Guys, that's where it is. That's where it is. Verse 20 says, and God was with the lad and he grew and he dwelt in the wilderness and he became an archer. In other words, he became a hunter. And he dwelt in the wilderness of Haran. And his mother took him, took 
a wife for him from the land of Egypt. Ishmael was a teenager when he first came to the wilderness. God blessed him and provided for his needs. He probably hunted for a living. And then it says, then his mom took him a wife out of the land of Egypt. Now, just let me just push this on. Some scholars believe that he was married before. I don't know where they get this, but nonetheless, we know this. We know that he's married to an Egyptian because that's where she was from, but we also know that Egypt has been worldly throughout the Bible. So what did he do? He took a worldly wife. And of course, his ancestors are, are, were the modern Arabs even now. Okay, so we're going to close. Just in time for one last song, we're going to close our study. So next week, next week, guys, we're back to Abraham, and Abimelech returns. Abimelech's going to come back, but that's kind of where we leave Hagar and Ishmael. Now, let us remember, you ready? Life can be very difficult, but can also offer opportunity. Opportunity to draw closer to God, opportunity to be the man or the woman that God has called you to be. It could offer an opportunity to see him like you've never seen him before. And the main thread I see through the text is that God is the shade of life to walk with us and to protect us and to keep us close to him. And he's also the water we crave in desert times. When times in your life become super dry, spiritually speaking, we can recognize that he's the water that we crave. He's the water that I crave. God, open my eyes to see the well. Open my eyes. That's what we need to do. Father, thank you for your word, the truth in your word tonight, Lord. Thank you that we had such a good time in your word. Thank you for your delays, God. You are all-powerful, and you just help us, and you, you just cause us to grow. And so tonight, God, as we worship you with this one last song, I pray. And I thank you that you hear us when we pray. Forgive us of our sins, God. Cleanse us of all unrighteousness and godliness. Lord, when I thirst... Help me to thirst for you, for more of you. Love you, Jesus. Hey, this is Pastor Josh. I hope this message has encouraged you in your walk with Jesus. If it has, we would love to hear your story of how it has impacted you, or especially if you responded to the invitation to receive Jesus into your heart as your Lord and Savior. To get in touch or to receive more information, please contact us by phone at 806-799-2227 or send an email to calvarylubbock at hotmail.com. Again, that phone number is 806-799-2227. Also, if you want to partner with us financially to take the gospel to West Texas and the world, please click on the Donate button on calvarychapellubbock.org. Thanks for listening to the podcast. May God richly bless you.